death. It is only a transition to a different sphere of consciousness. Carol Ann is not like those she's with. She is a living presence in their spiritual earthbound plane. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Talking to the Dead podcast. This week, um, I first of all want to start off by um, contacting my spirit guide, Titan. Um, And that's because I have a a couple of quite interesting questions that have been posed to me by my friend Linda. Um, And she's uh, fine that I share those questions with you and see exactly uh, what information I can get for her. Uh, and see if some interesting facts come through. So the first thing uh, she wanted to mention was that um, she has a spirit guide called Gustav, and the other night he told her something very interesting. Um, Apparently some of the encounters, and I'm quoting here, we have in our daily life are um, lacking the word she found, but people who aren't quite real maybe projections, if you will, or extras like in a movie. And they only exist in a matrix for us to interact with. And sometimes they're just projections of what we want to experience. Um, And then she went further on and said that um, when you meet random people, perhaps in the street, who are very rude to you, and you've never seen this person um, and you perhaps never see that person afterwards, they are probably most likely these type of extras created by the Matrix for some reason. This Matrix concept has been following her for quite a while. So thanks for that question, Linda, and uh, give me a few moments, and again, with the wonders of the magic of a podcast, I can think about things and get back to you if I get an answer so please hold on okay so um, I'm here with Titan and he's just going to answer your questions uh, in in real time so uh, I'm just going to try my best to pass them through okay in in terms of meeting people in the street um, Titan wants to give an overall um, an overall description to you of what you're experiencing. He feels that um, you've created for yourself, um, and you're able to create because we can all create, a world that um, is an alternate world to this world. And he says this links to the second question that you're going to ask, which I haven't even read about yet, but obviously he knows about it. He feels what you're seeing is um, a possible future or a possible world um, that could exist. This concept of matrix, um, yes, this is something that Titan says that uh, she's she's heard of, and obviously it was made very popular, I think, with the Keanu Reeves film. The, the concept of a matrix doesn't actually apply. It's not a computer simulation, she says. It's a projection of consciousness. It's a, it's a produced world that you've created. Um, well, I must say that to Titan now, myself, I mean, I'm thinking, gosh, if you, if any person is capable of creating something as massive as a world, 
And she says, yes, but of course, you're limiting yourself to your own knowledge of what a human can create. Humans are, are programmed to, to create things in a very small space. We're not terribly visionary in terms of of creation. We're certainly not visionary at all in terms of creating things with our mind. There is the concept of of culture creation, such as music and art. But again, that's something that comes through us and we end up making it real. But we can do exactly the same um, in our minds, which is the same thing. It's creating a conscious thing in our minds. But that has in some way um, the possibility of turning to something physical in a particular dimension. So, right, so, so we can all create things. So there must be very busy dimensions if everyone's creating worlds. <laughs> uh, Again, she's kind of smiling at me, and she says, yes, but th there's unlimited space. It's just, it's a complete limitless space. Again, don't limit yourself to this concept, this earth concept, that everything must have a certain dimension and has to fit in, she says, within a world, because that's how we see things, this planet that we live on. As big as it is, uh, we make things small. We live in houses and little communities. We have small groups of friends. We have a small daily life. Everything is very small and minute, in, in fact, like a grain of sand on a beach compared to the reality of life. But we have to think think wider than that, and we have to think that each grain of sand could be equivalent to a world that we could create. And she's saying that, Linda, what you're doing is creating a world. For, for whatever reason, um, this world you've created um, has uh, a population of, uh, of projections of your own consciousness. Each of these people that you see or the experiences that you have in this world um, are projections of your consciousness, but not just your present consciousness, your consciousness from other entities within your overall consciousness. All those previous lives, all the previous consciousnesses that, or oh, not even previous consciousness, all the consciousness, all the things living in your collective consciousness that come through to you and that are a part of you, you're, you're able to manifest and you're able to play with, she says. You're able to interact with if you create, it, create a world that you're comfortable with um, and that you can actually um, see people in the way that you meet people in your normal life. It's, um, it's something that we can all do, she says. It's something that we do pretty much when we're sleeping. Uh, we can also interact with other people's worlds. Uh, everybody's doing it. Everyone's creating um, possible worlds. Um, it's a kind of a sandbox in a way, she says. So what about this concept of where she would walk into somebody in the street who may be rude to her and maybe ignore her? Um, she, she's saying that th this is the same thing. It's just um, a person that you have created, but that person is reflecting to you a feeling or a mood or an experience that you've had. And uh, it may be if you're actually seeing it in your physical world rather than a dream world, if you're seeing it in your day-to-day -day work as if you're walking around town and you see someone who's rude to you, um, it is entirely possible that you, if, you're, if you're developed enough that you could create a um, projection personality, almost like a ghost. Uh, it's not unusual. And she says we've addressed this before um, with, with teenagers and people who are able to manifest poltergeist phenomena. Um, it's perfectly possible to be able to um, to create a person, a, a a being, or even a project somebody else's personality um, that you are aware of, or that you have 
come into contact with. And that person may not really be physically real um, and may not even be seen by other people around you. Okay. But, I mean, so you, if we're actually starting to see th people or see things or hear things, um, this is kind of, uh, this is this is very medium-like, isn't it? This is a sort of, um, yes, she says it's a very, uh, what do we call clairvoyance. Uh, and it's something that is, is much more common than you think, where people quite often can see people or see things or hear things or, f or have feelings. And she says it's not, a, not at all unusual. Um, and again, it's all part of what, uh, what Linda is doing, uh, manifesting physical things um, and being able to see them. But these physical things represent an emotion or a feeling or something that, she, that feels very strong to her. Okay, so and she says Linda will know that more than 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 I need to say right here, and it should resonate with her. Okay, well that's good. So uh, let me see if I could ask you the second question, which I, I think you know already, but the, the the listeners don't know. Um, and this was a dream that she'd had where she was flying around on our Earth, um, but there was nothing but ruins, and she could see how people were working as slaves. Um, she was another entity. Um, and she, or, or she was with another entity, it could have been her guardian angel, uh, and he told her that this is what the earth really looks like, but there are strong forces making up projections, so the world appears to us as we perceive it. In reality, we are just working slaves in a matrix. As soon as I realized this, we were chased by other entities, as if they were very unhappy about this discovery, and then I woke up, and I still think about this often. Um... Okay. Uh, again, I'm, I'm getting. She's telling me the same thing. She's saying that um, this is purely your projection. This is the world that you've created. Um, you're traveling around in your sleep, or, or or whenever you're able to relax enough that you can see or feel that um, a world that you have created in your own mind for a particular reason. Um, it may well actually be a confusion between. Um, what something you've seen or something you've heard about or maybe seen in a movie as well um, and you've made that an extension of your reality maybe it's something that uh, feels comfortable to you uh, as, as shocking as it, it may sound it may look like some horrifying horrifying nightmare movie um, but for whatever reason um, that environment actually does make you feel comfortable and it's it's an environment that you are building uh, on a day-to-day -day basis and experiencing um, when you're having an altered state of consciousness or um, astrally projecting and actually she's telling me uh, and I felt this for a few days now that um, most of this episode we're going to be talking about projections of consciousness and as we know it as astral projection. Uh, I would be fascinated to ask Titan is it possible that I could uh, project my my consciousness into uh, Linda's world, into this this rather strange sounding world. Uh, she said, "Yes, of course, that's what's happening all the time. Uh, we're doing that every time that we are sleeping or going into an altered state of consciousness, where we are able to physically leave our body." Uh, again, we're going to talk about this. She says, um, and this particular world that she has seen. Um, is something that, in a way, is an extension of her own personal beliefs. And this, these personal beliefs are very strong in her, and she's projected that now and created a, 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 an environment that she can actually navigate and see. 
um, she feels that this feeling that you had of being discovered or being seen by some nasty-looking things, sort of demons or something in your imagination, although she again reiterates to me that the demons are not like that at all. Um, she feels, in a way, though, it's it's more a, a question of you guarding this yourself. That's another... These, these beings, these entities that you feel are guarding it or were a bit annoyed that you had seen the reality of what, what it all was is, again, you. It's you projecting your own consciousness. You've created... Um, a, a security mechanism as well that that is is sort of defending itself against another aspect of your consciousness that is discovering and is perhaps uncomfortable with what uh, what it's seeing but equally it is all part of you and it's it's a kind of a, a duality and it's a kind of a, a, a duel she says even between the two parts of your personality that are creating this for a reason but equally are surprised at what you're creating. I hope that uh, answers uh, your questions, and thanks for that. And again, I'm, I'm really happy if anybody wants to send an email to me. It's at the bottom of this podcast. I'm very happy to ask some questions and, and help you with anything you want to know about. Okay, so um, Titan is still here, and um, she's been sending me messages for the last few days, um, indicating that she wants to talk about what we call astral projection. Um, she feels this links to a couple of the things that we've been discussing before, um, but particularly in terms of reincarnation or creation. Um, being able to project your consciousness is, is integral to the way things work. And we are able to do it, obviously, limitlessly, when we're not in our physical bodies anymore, when we're so-called dead. Um, but we can also do it um, if we train ourselves uh, when we're awake, if we like, uh, which may explain possibly um, what Linda, Linda is seeing, and she's perhaps uh, not only projecting consciousness to uh, animate something real, but also receiving impressions of uh, things that are from other people's consciousness and interacting with that. But we can do that as well. We can do that usually in our sleep. It's something that I personally am aware of. Uh, and I wonder, Titan, um, uh, if people are, are, are being able to do that, what are the mechanics of it? So for those who don't really know about it, how, how does it work and, and what can we see? Um, most of all, um, the purpose of it is that it is the time when we're sleeping where people believe that we're recuperating the body and everything else. But she says it has a, sleep has so much more of a meaning to us than that. It is an essential part of the connection between ourselves and our, uh, our super consciousness, our, uh, the, the overarching consciousness that we all came from and will all return to. This is the one time which is just as essential as being awake and having a normal life. It's, it's essential to be able to return to your consciousness and allow that consciousness to flow backwards and forwards. It's not only a very nurturing thing, but it's the time that ideas are brought through um, and kind of a conversation happens between you and your, conscious, your consciousness. And again, this usually happens in sleep. It's a purpose-built exercise. It happens with all things. It happens with all animals, she says. It happens with all plants. It happens with every living thing and non-living thing. There's a continuous um, 
backwards and forwards between the consciousness and the reality here on Earth. So if you wish to um, be more aware, because most people are just not aware because they wake up in the morning and they've forgotten. But if you want to be more aware of it, you can train yourself to be more, more aware of it. Um, and deliberately, when you go to sleep at night, um, practice uh, your, to extend your consciousness out of your body and to feel yourself to leave your body and see if you can travel somewhere. But she's immediately saying there's a caveat here. So much is written about people who talk about being able to astrally project and go way out of uh, their body to to other worlds and other realities and other dimensions. While all of this is true, she said, you've got to remember you cannot do it just because you want to do it. You have to have some help. Uh, and we've talked about these guides before, the traveler guides. Uh, traveler guides are there specifically and purposely and they're a form of consciousness that des are designed just to just to help people. Uh, you cannot really go to places uh, or dimensions that you have not been to before without the help of a traveler guide. Uh, and once you've had the help of the traveler guide once, then you've made that consciousness connection with that location and you can go to that location as freely as you want without a traveler guide but first of all you do need help now you don't necessarily she says need just a traveler guide you can also meet other people who are astrally projecting who have already been shown various locations and, and can go there themselves and you can follow them uh, you can sort of literally if you like join hands with them and travel with them as a group and he said that happens to most people at night and those will be remembered as group dreams where people meet together and go places together almost as if uh, there's another world that they're a part of. Uh, and she's, she's, she's saying to me that when you are astrally projecting, um, the, there's been a lot that's been said about it in the past. Many books have been written about it. It's very easily available to to find out about things. But there's a lot of misinformation out there as well. She says one of the funniest bits of misinformation is that when you astrally project, you're connected to your body with a silver cord. And she thinks this is very amusing, but, but it's completely rubbish. <laughs> you're not connected by a silver cord. You're connected by consciousness. Your body is connected to your conscious self through consciousness. And this can be an, a limitless connection. It's, uh, she says it's, it, it could be seen more like a fiber optic cable, perhaps, if you're seeing it. Um, a limitless cable, weightless cable. But it's not, a, it's not a cord. It's not a silver cord. It can't snap or um, you can't really see it as a cord. Although some people choose to see it as a cord. You could see it as a cloud or you could see it as um, energy sparks or whatever you like. Or maybe you'll see nothing at all. But you don't have to worry about... Uh, leaving your body and for this cord to snap this this idea of um, this cord will snap and then you'll be trapped out of your body for the rest of your life partly true partly not she says obviously at the point of death yes the consciousness separates from the physical body and the physical body dies and you return to your collective consciousness and you can call that a snap if you like but this is not going to happen unless your physical body uh, is dead and then it's it happens at a time of of an accident or, or death, and um, it wouldn't happen at any other time, 
uh, she's saying, unless, of course, you died in your sleep, which, again, is probably extremely unlikely um, because you probably wouldn't be astrally projecting at that particular point because your body would be preparing to die. Uh, She says that everybody who dies, whether it's an accident or not, will usually have some feeling that something is going to happen because it's due to happen. It's it's part of the, um, if you like, the predestination of the way that things are. Uh, you tend to have, and you've heard this before, she's saying, that people have had premonitions, she say. Premonitions are, uh, are, are what, what a premonition is, she says, is this information that you have already hardwired into you from birth that a particular process will happen that will lead up to a particular event. And you're just um, seeing that, that's, that, that, that system that's been set up in advance. Um, the free will that we have, she says, is that you can um, postpone things or delay things or change things to an extent, but ultimately um, it will end as it was supposed to end. Uh, oh, she wishes me also now just to quickly talk about something that is linked to astral projection. It is linked to this consciousness. And she says that um, uh, a couple of episodes ago, um, we were actually talking to the entity that was Queen Elizabeth II. And she said that there was a, a couple of things that the entity wanted to mention um, that she hadn't mentioned before. Um, the importance of this divine ability for uh, a, a group of consciousness to always reincarnate as members of the royal family or um, or perhaps people who lead society, is very fundamental. Um, and it is something that is considered to be a great privilege for this, this collection of, of consciousnesses that, that have chosen to do this. Um, but she, she also said that I think the Queen Elizabeth II consciousness wanted to, again, reiterate um, something that she said before, uh, and that is connected to the present situation um, and that everything is happening as it is supposed to happen. Um, and there are a lot of things that we, as, the, as humans who interact with uh, these people, um, might wish to happen uh, and may desire to happen, but that is not going to be the case. Things are happening exactly as they should, um, and uh, the Queen entity wanted to mention again that... Yes, she's, she's without being too specific, that things are commonly written about members of her old family. Um, most of it, she wants us to, to know, is not true. Things are being attributed to things that she said, uh, which may cause great harm to members of the family now if they're disputed. Uh, yes, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but if you're not going to say it, I won't say it. She says, no, she doesn't wish to, to talk about it specifically, but people who are watching the news, she says, will know what's being said at the moment about particular things that she said or didn't say. Um, and she wants to say um, that her entity then was completely comfortable with decisions that were made and things that were being done by members of her family. And it's, um, it's just, unfortunately, the way that people wish to sell newspapers and to sell books that they change the story or put thoughts into people's minds. Okay, well, thank you very much for that message. <laughs> Must have been important for her to pass that through, I think. 
But, um, yeah, Titan says back to astral projection. Um, astral projection, uh, she says, is something that um, once we've learned to do that at night, um, we can use this for all sorts of interesting purposes. Not only will we become more aware of our, our consciousness that exists, but all the various entities within that consciousness are suddenly open to us and we're able to interact to them. And we're able to use that in order to bring back information. And she says, again, we've talked about this creativity that exists. Um, very often, uh, that creati creative process happens when we are astrally projecting because that's a, very, a time where we're very aware of the creativity and there is that link to the physical creation of things so it doesn't go straight to our consciousness in that respect that it's um, there and it gets hidden it affects the way that we will we will do physical things whether it's writing music or writing novels or painting or indeed having creative ideas to, to invent something uh, and astral projection whether people are aware or, or not is an essential process in that um, she's also telling me that um, astral projection is a way for people to um, to have a, a chance to um, to interact with other species and and other entities in other dimensions, um, and it's a way also for other dimensions and species to come into us and interact with us and have some experience of the human world. It's something that would normally happen um, before we were born. Uh, it would be something that people could do by, if I think we were talking about this before, they could, if you like, borrow a body or, and body swap is coming through. Um, it's something that is a normal process. But astral projection, again, is that conduit that allows um, the, the consciousness to come through. Uh, oh, she's now saying... Uh, Let's talk quickly again about some of the mystic stuff that's been said about this. Um, we've touched on this before. Uh, quite often people have said that this is a, an avenue for demons and devils and angels and things to come through and possess us. She said that's just an interpretation of what all this is, and it's not true. There isn't this thing that people are going to come in and possess us or take us over. This isn't letting evil into our lives. This isn't letting, for that matter, she said, goodness into our lives. This is just a normal communication that exists between you, uh, your, your right to communicate with what is part of you, and equally for that part of you that you cannot see to communicate with you and to, to keep in touch. Um, it's as much, she says, a reality in a family as your real reality in your real family now. And that's why it's such an essential part of the human experience not to lose uh, that connection with the consciousness. Um, yeah, Titan mentioned to me also that uh, in the right hands and for the right reasons, uh, astral, astral projection can be used in the same way as we were discussing travel th and thought speed. Um, astral projection is our way of being able to access travel um, and limitless travel across limitless, uh, countless limitless dimensions. Uh, and she said that as you close your eyes and, and you imagine that place that could be billions and billions in our terms of light years away, you can be there literally in an instant. 
and that that happens in astral projection but equally because of time uh, and space being being uh, not as we see it it's not a fixed commodity it's a limitless commodity um we are able to see in different periods of our time as well. If you like, you can use astral projection to project to a different period of our Earth history, either before or in the future. But again, she's saying there is a limitation to this. Uh, you're, you can be an observer only, you can't interact. But you're also uh, invoking the use of traveler guides, and the traveler guides will let you see aspects of things within reason, but they will not, absolutely not, she said, let you see your direction, your personal direction through life. Um, you can try and see where your life may lead to, but it is not considered to be right, or and it generally is not allowed, I'm being told, that you can actually see the direction of your life from now to when you die. That is kept completely out of the frame, because otherwise that would kind of spoil the whole point of you having a life. Um, she wants to point out that, again, there are a lot of psychics out there who make a lot of money um, giving people life readings where they are told that, you know, this is the general flow of your life. There is some truth to it, uh, she tells me. Yes, there is an outline given from where you are now to where you may end up that can be seen. Some of it can be revealed to you. But there is no definitive description of steps that will be taken or things that will happen to you, good or bad, um, because that is just not appropriate uh, and wouldn't be allowed um, and would destroy the whole purpose of being human and having a life. Uh, she said, what would be the point of having a life if you know what's going to happen already? It's like, what's the point of watching a movie to be surprised if you know exactly what's happening and you've got the script in front of you? Uh, Titan is now telling me uh, another aspect of astral projection and something uh, that, again, is very important to understand. Um, because we all do it, uh, and we do it as real as waking up in the morning and walking around and living, um, we therefore quite consciously interact with each other um, when we're at when we're our bodies are at rest and we are astrally projecting and we're interacting with each other's consciousness but because that consciousness is attached to a physical body there is the same connection as a human between uh, and the consciousness that exists so you are actually meeting that person as a human but also their consciousness uh, as part of the multi-consciousness okay i'm trying to get my head around that one uh, so yes, you, so what you're saying is that when we are projecting, uh, we are projecting as ourselves, as Philip or, or whoever it might be, but plus, yes, she said it's it's you plus your consciousness at the same time. It's a unique, it's an it's a unique ability that we have because we have a physical body attached to us with a consciousness that is living a life. You can project as yourself and be aware of yourself, but as uh, but also be aware. Of, the, of all your super-consciousness um, colleagues and connections. I see. Okay. And she said, for that reason, um, when you are in a state of consciousness like that, where you are projecting yourself and you're perhaps with a group of people, um, you may not recognize who these people are, um, or you may recognize some of them. 
but more often than not you won't because they will be people that you interact with um, in the consciousness before you become a human consciousness as well. But also you may be meeting people who you have never had any relation with as a human being, but exist uh, either in the past, the present, or the future. It doesn't really matter. It's all sim- it's all it's all simultaneous. Um, but it, she says it's also possible um, that you will be meeting people who were you, who were, you had projected into as a previous life in our terms or a future life in our terms. So you'll meet not only people who are part of you, but are part of other conscious collectives. And you interact as if you're in a completely different world with these people. And for that reason, people do come back into their waking hours and believe that they have interacted with people that they just don't know who they are or recognize who they are, but seem to know who they are when they're in that state of projection at night, as if they're good friends and they can quite often meet them on a regular occurrence. It's almost like having a completely different life. Um, I was thinking um, something, and I think uh, Titan is already starting to give the answer. Well, what I was thinking of was, you know, uh, and I think I may have heard this before, is it possible that you could be harmed in any way when you're um, when you are an astral in an astral projection or if you are projecting your consciousness? Is it possible that you could be harmed or affected in any way? And Titan is saying... Um, not not physically, there's nothing that can be done to hurt your physical body. Uh, there's nothing that a person who is an energy consciousness can do to affect another energy consciousness. They can't be destroyed, they cannot be harmed. But like everything else, it's just like meeting people, and she said, we've said this before, it's like meeting people, if you like, on the internet or in a virtual situation on Earth where they can harm you psychologically, they can say cruel things, um, not everyone in the world is, is fair and nice. Um, and quite often when you're astrally projecting, you may come across uh, somebody who's projecting at the same time who may not be a particularly nice personality in life, and therefore their consciousness at that particular time, because it's intimately bound with their physical body, um, may not be terribly nice either, and you may encounter that. And they may try to scare you, or they may say unpleasant things, but it's a question of you just having the self-confidence just to brush it aside and move on. best thing is just to tell them to go away, as you probably would in, in, in normal life, and not let it affect you. But this, it, it would, she said it would be wrong for her to suggest that it's all easy and happy, because not, not everyone who's living a life is having an easy and happy life, and they carry that, that, that consciousness into the, the realms beyond physical when they travel. Uh, she's wanting to mention uh, another thing she says is quite important. The astral plane, if we if we leave at night, is also, and I think we've heard this before, is a, is a, is a time when um, we can research or visit areas that can help our physical body, not just in terms of creation, but in terms of medicine, in terms of being better. She said that um, you can, it's not very well understood, but it will be in time, is that using the astral layer, the, the consciousness layer, you can use it to help cure physical illnesses that exist in us as humans. And she says that, uh, yeah, she's mentioning with me too that I've had that experience too. Okay, she says, I, I should just tell you a little bit about that. Maybe if I can remember it. Um, yeah, Titan's actually now showing me um, this massive hall that I walked down many years ago 
Uh, it's like a hall of medicine. And in this hall of medicine, it's like a huge hospital, if you like, and there are so many doors. And each door leads to um, help for a particular ailment. And yes, she's saying, reminding me that I think I had a problem with um, I was a flu or something. I can't remember, really. Uh, and she guided me, even though I probably did, wasn't aware it was her who was guiding me, uh, to a particular door, and I opened that door. And inside that door was, if you like a doctor, but a, a group of people who would specialize in being able to help me with a, with that particular ailment, and they could actually treat me there and give me something um, mentally um, that made me better, that I could then take back into my physical body and heal my body in some way. And she said, this is very normal process as well. Um, there is such a lot, she said, that's said about um, the power of the mind to cure the physical body, but this is where it comes from, this ability for you to be able to travel, if you like, to a place that has been created through people's thoughts for millennia, <laughs> more than that. And it's a very real physical place for people to visit in their astral projection and they can bring back cures for all diseases and ailments and ha allow them to to a greater or lesser extent affect their physical body she says i am saying greater or lesser because it's all a question of what you allow your body to do some people believe it some people don't some people allow it to change your physical body some people don't some people are very skeptical about it She's saying to me also, this is the basis of uh, a lot of religions who um, who believe um, uh, 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 that medicine is something that's integral in our physical body and that if you affect certain part of the body with certain things, uh, you can change uh, the physical body's health or outcomes. She said that is partly true, but it's actually more than that. It's related more to the spiritual connection with your energy consciousness and what you're bringing back and the practices that are invoked to to make the body better are just uh, manifestations of of what your body is doing to itself but you're enabling it to do it through thought and thoughts create reality that you have the power of being able to think things to happen but it, you've got to be able to have those things that you have thought about for things to happen so you've got to bring that back with you I have one last question of myself, and while we're talking about this, and I'll, I'll see if Titan can give me an answer. And it was something that was very moving to me, and I read in a, a newspaper that uh, Roger Daltrey, who is the um, singer of the rock band Who, um, he has spent 25 years being the president of a teenage cancer trust. Uh, I think something tragic happened to his sister. I think she died of breast cancer. And giving his considerable platform and wealth, um, he enabled um, this particular cancer charity to raise, I think, millions of pounds uh, to help find a cure for cancer. And I read something which really resonated with me, and I really want to talk to you, Titan, about it if I can, that um, he now not so much regrets what he did, but he now believes that there is no cure for cancer and that, in fact, it's, if there is, scientists... Uh, do not wish to find a cure for cancer because so many scientists' careers are bound up in the search for a cure for cancer. And he felt it's human nature to keep your job 
why would you want to find a cure for cancer and then lose your job? That would be hundreds of scientists around the world unemployed. What do you feel about that, Titan? Well, first of all, uh, Titan is saying that the cure for cancer. She says the cure for cancer is within us already. We've always had the cure for cancer within us. It's the power of the mind. She feels that a lot of cancers are created by the mind, and she said that there's, she doesn't have to offer anything else up as evidence than the truth that people quite often can bring things on themselves. She says that we as human even use that expression, is that he brought it upon himself. If you create a reality through your thoughts, this can manifest itself as a physical sickness. She's saying this is not the case always, but it's a case that happens quite a lot. But also she says that, that, that cancer or any form of illness or death is something, again, which is some, something we've planned. It's part of um, the essential purpose of our life, of the way that we have chosen to live our life. And the experience that we go through having cancer and so-called, she says, fighting this cancer, although she says it's not really a fight, it's just a process that we go through, has uh, uh, amazing things that, that will happen to the person who has cancer, but also to the people who witness it and the people who are working with people who are involved in cancer. So it has a far greater meaning than just a disease that is bad luck that needs to be cured. Having said that, she said, um, there, she says she, it's completely wrong to think that doctors generally would not want to find a cure for cancer. She said, let me tell you this. Um, she believes that anyone who had chose to become a doctor, anybody who chose to help people for the right reasons, and those are 99.9% .9 of the reasons why people go to help people, is that they genuinely believe that they can help people and that they were put on this earth to be able to bring information that will enable a cure to be found. Uh, she says it, it is probably cynical into the extreme and a very human pursuit for us to question that and to think that somehow there is a secret that's being withheld. Uh, she said that even though you may talk about uh, a big pharmaceutical company, it is not true. And she just really wants to finish by saying... Uh, that in a way it's a misinterpretation of the whole purpose of why we become human. Um, she says there are considerable volumes of information and people um, who are actively engaged in various realities in assisting humanity uh, in its endeavors to find cures for diseases. Uh, and this information is passed down through me mechanics like astral projection, uh, and are then brought into life, our life, through an invention process. And she said, in a way, it, this interpretation that a scientist would not want to find a cure for cancer because it would put them out of a job is something she's saying is, is again wrong because it, it's inconceivable for a, for, a, for a soul not to wish to help another soul. And there would have to be, she says, an active shutting down of that, that flow of consciousness to be able to stop something coming through. If something comes through, it will come through to a scientist who has chosen to have a life of helping people and perhaps to be inventive and to discover. And that discovery will then be put into practice. Um, again, she's now saying to me that perhaps some people lose sight of things, that 
the, the, you know, viruses and bacteria and um, things that happen at a cellular level um, have been happening for thousands and thousands of years and within organisms for millions of years, which to us seems like a huge amount of time, but it's a fraction of a second in the order of things. And, you know, all these things will be changing. And she says, I can only ask you as... And uh, she says, Titan saying, I can only ask you as a, as a parting thought for today, just to really just give some thought to, um, to, the, to, to time and the amount of time that, that has passed on Earth, but the amount of things, the good things that have happened in Earth history, the amount of amazing things that have happened just in the last hundred years, she says. Uh, incredible steps forward in terms of science and technology. All of this is deliberate. All of this has been sent to help us to develop our species, enable us to eventually, as she said last week, she says, eventually to become God ourselves. That's a lovely way to end. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.